0: You know, it's uh, this morning I'm excited for us to talk together about this opportunity that's going on in the life of Israel as we've journeyed with them out of Egypt, but but also because it's Father's Day. Which, by the way, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room and grandfathers and men who have played a role in mentoring and shaping the life of a younger man in their lives uh, and, and a younger woman as well. But it's necessary. It's an important role. And so hopefully this morning as we come through our passage together, You'll, you'll be able to see and maybe sense God's invitation deeper into this role that he's called you to uh, in caring for the next generation and shaping uh, the hearts of the, the, the younger ones after God's own heart. You may even remember that, uh, that last week, Pastor Dave led us through the chapter in Israel's history when, when Israel had been uh, allowed to leave Egypt, but Egypt kind of changed their mind. Pharaoh changed his mind. They went after them, and, and, and Israel found themselves with their backs up against, uh, in, basically in between a rock and a hard place. They, they were up against the Red Sea, and in front of them, they had the Egyptians. They were coming at them, and in that very moment where they were overcome by fear, Moses says, hey, fear not. Stand firm. Look what the Lord can do. He actually says in in Exodus 14, uh, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. See, when we live by faith and not by fear, we, we live in such a way where we're not dependent on our own abilities to accomplish, to, to win the victory, to, to, to rescue us from those who are, who are coming after us, our oppressors, our, our enemies. We're, we're, we're silent in that regard, but we're not saying nothing. We're, we're putting our faith in, in the Lord, right? Our silence looks like us putting our trust in Jesus, putting our trust in the Lord, just as Israel did. The Lord will, will fight on our behalf just as he did for the people of Israel. When, when we think about Moses' invitation to the Israelites, we recognize it's an invitation to us as well. Fear not. Stand firm and look for the Lord's salvation. But increased faith is, is not the only result of seeing God's hand of rescue on, on the lives of the, uh, the Israelites. Because we see something else that happens for the Israelites as well when we pay attention to their story. When we look at what God does with the Israelites, we realize not only did he grow their faith in, in improving himself faithful, in taking the Israelites from a place of fear to a place of faithfulness, he also developed in them a heart of worship. He, he led them to this place where they stood in awe and reverence of God. It's not the same kind of fear that they had of the Egyptians. It's a different kind of fear That they had for God, one where they now stood in awe of how powerful and mighty He is and and, and what He can do on their behalf. Consider what Moses says at the end of chapter 14 that we wrapped up last week. He says here in verses 30 and 31 Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. And so the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. See, Israel went from being a people of, of fear to being a people of faith. They, they, as, as Pastor Dave taught us last week, they went from this, this fearfulness of their circumstances before them to now standing in awe of, of, of the God who they've put their trust in, their faith in. So that's true for us too, Right? When we, when we see God's hand at work in our lives, when we walk through those places where we're, we're, we're up against, a, in between a rock and a hard place, and we see how God leads us through that or rescues us, maybe doesn't, maybe doesn't rescue us from all the pain, the discomfort that we might be in, but, but he leads us through that difficult place, our faith grows. The next time we find ourselves in a more difficult place, we we remember the things that God has done. We remember what He can do and how He can use those circumstances in our lives. And you know what? Trusting Him comes a little bit more naturally. Not perfectly. I I know for myself, and I imagine for others as well, that that we wish that we were more trusting. We wish that we could just remember what God did and not worry at all. But the, the fact of the matter is that our faith does grow in that place. It may not be complete, it may not be fully mature. But we are more trusting of God as we get a chance to see how He is trustworthy and how He shows up in our lives. I can think of a number of times when I'm sitting in my car and, and I need to be somewhere, and, and I turn the key and the car just doesn't start. And I think, oh man. I'm not just worried about where I need to be, I'm worried about the bills that I'm going to have to pay, because now, you know, this is going to cost me a pretty penny to get it fixed, I'm sure, I don't know what, but it's got to be something. It's going to be time where the car's in the shop. I start going through all these things that just, they, they create this fear in me, right? I, I, I get worried about how it's going to get fixed, and then, you know, the car turns over and I think, oh, great, thanks God, and I'm on to my next thing. Don't really spend much time dwelling in what God has done, but, but just move on, Right? We, 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 we're not necessarily uh, spending time thinking and, and praising him for what he's done. We're grateful. We're, we're just satisfied to be able to, to not be in that situation where we've got this costly fix to what we have in front of us. See, Israel's reaction to God's rescue and redemption was to, was to rejoice and to worship him in song. Before they went anywhere else, while he still stood on the, soar, the shores of the Red Sea, they, they worshiped God. They gave him thanks. They, they acknowledged his glory and his majesty and his power. In rescuing them out of the hands of the Egyptians, it's, it, 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 it's, it's a good challenge for us in our lives. It's a good challenge for me, at least. I was thinking of, of this, I think it's true for parenting, right? Fathers, pay attention, but, but this is certainly true for mothers as well. And parenting is a little like being up against the Egyptian army coming at you and the Red Sea behind you, right? It's a little bit daunting, it's a little bit fearful. You're kind of wondering, how is this gonna, how, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna raise this child? to to know and love the Lord to 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 be productive and to care about God's creation. It's parenting is not this 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 uh, it's not summed up in this picture of just looking at this one circumstance, but it's it's a it's a it's a long view of of a child's life, and it requires trust. It requires faith. I, just a small example in my son Alex's life, he, uh, I know I've shared this here, but he was in baseball this spring, and, and he really wanted to pitch, but he hasn't pitched before, and we haven't worked on it much, so I was terrified that the coach would put him in to pitch, because I'm scared of him being embarrassed, I'm scared of him getting hurt, I'm, uh, I'm scared of, of all that pressure being on him and not sure how he's going to handle it. But of course, he went out, and he, he did a great job came in off the field, and I realized in that moment, the lesson was for me, not for my son Alex. The lesson was for me that I needed to live by faith and not by fear that God was at work in my son's life, growing his character, yes, through baseball, but also in his faith. It was that reminder that the long view of parenting is one of faith and not in fear of the circumstances we have to shepherd our children through. You know, another example... I want to share with you all this morning is is somewhat also of an update to a prayer request that uh, my family and I have had. Um, You may remember that uh, about a year and a half ago, my sister was diagnosed with a grade four glioblastoma, which is a tumor in the brain, and uh, it's an incurable tumor. So um, you can imagine the fear that, that even, I'll admit it, as a pastor, I was flooded with. Fear for my sister's life. Fear for the pain my parents were going through and would have to go through. Fear for my, my brother-in-law and for my nieces and nephew. All, all this fear, and yet in, that, in, in this season of our lives, my sister was the one voice who was a, a voice of faith, a reminder that God is still God, that God is in control, that he loves us, and that he's working things out for his glory. Whether that meant that she would be healed this side of heaven or, or healed into eternity, we didn't know yet, but, but my sister, she led with her faith. And so you can imagine the struggle that we had of, of whether, choosing whether to live in fear or live in faith. About two weeks ago, we, we got uh, an update from my sister who had gotten, um, she has, she's gone through the treatments, and she's now in this season of life where she has to go for regular MRIs. And uh, this was like the third or fourth MRI that she's had after her treatment. And she called and, and said, you know, I just met with the doctors and there's no sign of the tumor in my brain right now. I mean, and 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 here's the thing, that's exactly what our response should be. Wonderful, praise God, right? But fear still tries to creep in. Fear still tries to tell you, yeah, it's great for today, but but you don't know about tomorrow. Fear tries to move you on from the shores of the Red Sea and, and make you forget of all the things that you have to celebrate and praise and recognize and remember God's power and his majesty in what he did. Praise God for what he's done in my sister's life. And, and just as a way of thank you, thank you for praying for our family. Thank you for lifting her up in prayer. Uh, it is, prayer has been the thing that has helped us remain strong and rooted in the Lord through this. So I'm thankful for all of you. This morning, we're going to look at a passage. We're going to be challenged by Moses and the Israelites and how to live this lifestyle of worship where we don't so quickly move on after the car starts and, 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 and move on to the next thing in the day, but we acknowledge, we recognize God's hand in our lives, whether it's with something small like a car or something big like our, our health, whatever it is that we might learn from the Israelites and celebrate what he has done and acknowledge God's power and majesty, his hand in our lives. So if you would turn to, to Exodus chapter 15, I'm going to read. This is a song that, they, that, 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 that the Israelites and Moses composed and so it's a kind of a lengthy passage for us to look at together this morning, but, but I'll lead us through it, and, um, and I'll read it for us now, if you, if you won't mind. Exodus chapter 15, uh, in your pew Bibles, Exodus chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 18. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will, s- oh by the way, I'm not going to sing the song, I won't, happy Father's Day to me and to you, I won't sing the song, but I'll read it for us. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue you. I will overtake you. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength, your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I I thank you because this word is living and active. Your Holy Spirit speaks to us through this, revealing who you are, your desire for your people. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning as we spend time in your word, as we worship you together as one community. May you be glorified by this time. And may we be transformed by our time in your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so as I mentioned, Israel and Moses are now gathered on the shores of the Red Sea, and they are overflowing with joy and thanks for what God has done. And their response, their reaction is to compose this, this song, to sing this song. It's a song about God, and it's a song to God. More than 10 times in this song, the, the, the personal name of God, Yahweh, is used by the Israelites. They're recognizing this is their God who, is, who has worked on their behalf. He, he has done what Moses said he would do back in Exodus 14 when they were between a rock and a hard place. They remained silent. The Lord fought on their behalf. The God who was and is and ever will be stood up to Israel's enemies, and Israel's giving him glory for that. Take a look at verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1 with me for a moment. It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Yeah, overjoyed with relief, Israel sings praises to God. They're saying, thank you, God. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for, for, for your work of redemption in our lives. Thank you. They're singing to God. They're singing about God. Here in our passage, it's important to note that this song is is an example both of of an individual praising God and a community raising up their their individual voices together to praise God in unity. See, Moses led the nation of Israel, but not just physically through the wilderness. He didn't just lead them to places where they could get water and food and shelter. He didn't lead them uh, through the various people groups that they would find in the wilderness and the challenges and circumstances they would face. Moses was also a priest. He led them spiritually as well. We see him leading them in this song here. He led the nation of Israel by by leading them in song, by leading them in giving thanks, by leading them in acknowledging God's hand, his power, his majesty. So like my, my family, for, for instance, when my sister's diagnosis came through, she was the one who said, hey, God's still in control. Don't be afraid. This is okay. Let's see what God's going to do through this. She was the one that reminded us. She was the one that led us to remain rooted and strong in the Lord when we were most scared, when we were grappling with the, the pain and, and the agony of this thought of possibly losing her. And just like that, so Moses leads Israel in their faith here. He, he, he leads them in this song. It's not Moses and Israel singing together. Moses sang and led Israel in singing together. There's a lesson for us here as families, as, as people in this church, that, that, that our faith leads others in their faith as well. Dads, can I just challenge you for a minute? For you to come to worship For you to worship the Lord, whether it's here in the sanctuary, at home in the morning, opening your Bible, spending time in prayer, you are leading your spouse, you are leading your children in giving glory to God, in worshiping him, in practicing your faith. Moms, don't don't think that that role is just for dads because the role you play in your children's lives and the lives of others in your life, you're encouraging your husbands to see them practicing their faith as well. What a gift that is. We lead one another with our faiths. Husbands, don't forget the benefit and the joy it is for a wife to see her husband leading her in faith. To getting up early Sunday morning and say, hey, let's get ready. Let's get to church. I'm looking forward to gathering with my church family to worship God. What an encouragement that will be for your wife. Husbands, your faith leads your wives. Believers, your faith leads unbelievers as well. We don't have a whole lot of time to go through this, but, but if we consider the end of chapter 14, we see that, that what the Lord, when, when Israel saw what the Lord had done, their faith grew in the Lord and also in Moses. They understood what Moses was doing. They understood now the outcome of Moses' faith in trusting the Lord, and they too believed in the Lord and had a greater faith in the faith of Moses. See, as servant leaders, just like Moses, we go, we go first in leading the way in faith. We, we go first in acknowledging God for what he's done and in recognizing his power and his majesty and giving him thanks for that. So this song in chapter 15 is sung by a community led by a servant, so it is, it's sung by this, this group of people But also it's important to note that each person in this group had an individual voice that they were raising up to praise God, to thank God, to acknowledge who he is and what he's done. See, for the nation of Israel to sing, I will sing to the Lord, required that each person sang those words for themselves. As a song doesn't use a third person plural, we will sing to the Lord, it uses the first person singular, I will sing to the Lord. I know we, we can't always put too much into the, the grammar of a passage, but I think it's appropriate to note that, that, that when Israel composed this song, they intentionally put first-person singular, I will sing to the Lord, because they recognize that this is not just something they sing as a community, but each person is putting their heart's intent into this song, singing to the Lord. I remember growing up in, in grammar school, or grade school, we would stand to sing the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. And each of us would stand, put our hands over our heart, and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Right? There's, there's that important nature of each person in that class. We may have said the pledge together, but each person pledged their allegiance to the flag. And so our worship is one where we share in community, but it's also something that we each give and respond to God as individuals as well. As God's servant leader over Israel, Moses led the way. Each member of Israel was encouraged to see their leader going first and praising God, and they too joined their voice with his so that they would sing in unity. I, it just as, as a way of resource, I want to share, there's this great little book called Family Worship, and, and, and it's not very long, it's, a pretty, it's an easy read, but it's a good encouragement as we think of, you know, even if you, if you have kids or not, if your kids are young or old, to, to consider this opportunity we have to gather as families to worship God, to think about practical ways but also the purpose for why we gather in family worship, just as a resource, just want to let you know it's there. This is something where we as fathers, as husbands, as, as wives, as mothers, we get a chance to lead with our worship. We, we lead in our children's faith, in the, the, the faith of our spouse, the, the, the community here at Trinity, When we learn to to lead as God has called us to lead. See, the song that that Israel sang that day was was one where they they looked back with gratitude. They looked back on what God had done. And they also looked forward with hope and anticipation and great expectation for what he would do. What he has promised to do. Israel sings these words in verses 2 through 3. I wonder if you'll let me read them for you again. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Are you starting to see that, that this song is about God? Are you starting to see that Israel is saying, hey, this song is not, not about his rescue of us as much as it's about God and what he can do and what he has done. God is the focus of their song. God is my God. He is my Father's God. God is a warrior. God is the one who fights on their behalf. Do you, do you see that? Do you recognize the point that they're trying to make, the, the acknowledgement that Israel has come to? Back in, in chapter 14, verse 14. Moses said, uh, he, he says this. Let me just read it for us. He says in verse 14, The Lord will fight for you. You have only be silent. You have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you. Right? This, this happens before they've crossed the Red Sea, before the, while the Egyptians are, are closing in on them. He says the Lord will fight for you. The encouragement that that... That Israel sees is this fulfillment of that promise that the Lord did fight for them. And so they can have faith in the God who fights on their behalf. The next few verses of this chapter unpack how the Lord fought for them, it it, it recounts the ways that God rescued them. It, it, It gives him credit for dividing the seas, and not just, this is not like a little trickle. He talks about the deep being divided with the, the, the blast of his nostrils, holding the waters like a wall. The waters congealed in the deep, right? The, 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 the Israelites sing of how God rescued them from the hands of the Egyptians. It was God himself who separated those waters. It was God who brought judgment on his own enemies. It was God who brought the water down over the Egyptians as, as they arrogantly pursued God's people, See, Israel, they they draw this distinction in the the song where they recognize, they give credit for for God doing all these things. But then listen to how they they describe Egypt's heart, the way that the Egyptians were coming after them. It says in verse... uh, Verse 9, the enemy said, I will, I will pursue you. I will overtake. I will devoid the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw the sword. My hand shall destroy them. I, 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 I. Egypt was all about themselves, but Israel recognized it was all God who rescued them. Israel had no hand in this. It was the hand of the Lord who rescues them that day by the Red Sea. But listen to where Israel wraps up their reflection on what God has done on their behalf. Listen to Exodus chapter 15, verses 11 to 12. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretch out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. It was God who... Who rescues the Egyptians or the, the Israelites from the Egyptians hands? Israel concludes the part of their song summarizing their their gratitude for god's salvation. This is a picture of salvation by faith in the Old Testament. This is where we see the theme of salvation throughout the Bible articulated for us in the Old Testament. Israel put their faith in God and he rescues them. And in this song, they give thanks to God for that. They give him the glory for their rescue and recognize how great he is. Now, I have to say, sadly, I don't think we always are quick to give God gratitude and thanks and recognition for what he's done in our behalf. We don't always recognize his hand in restoring a broken relationship with a loved one. We don't always uh, uh, recognize how he's... he's uh, allowed our car to start up and, 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 and keep going just a little bit further. Yeah, I think for myself, as soon as that car starts, I'm flooded with relief and I'm on to what I'm doing, not really recognizing that maybe God heard my prayer, right? Or in that, that broken relationship that, that, that seemed like, how is this going to get fixed? I have no clue. You know, rather than acknowledge what God has done in working in that relationship, we're flooded with relief that the conflict is over and we can move on, right? In Luke chapter 17, Luke records a story of when Jesus was confronted by ten lepers. He was traveling from Galilee to Samaria, or Samaria to Galilee. And, and as, he's, as he goes, these ten lepers call out to him and, ask, and, and, and seek him for healing, and so he does. He heals them all before sending them off. But, but one of the lepers comes back to Jesus. One of the lepers, rather than go off and celebrate, comes back to Jesus and gives him thanks. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 17. He says, then, uh, then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Who, by the way, was a Samaritan. Or, uh, yeah, Samaritan. And Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. See, just like the nine other lepers, we don't always make our way back to God to be reminded that it was by God's hand that we were healed. It was by God's faith in God's hand working in us that we were healed. And and so just like those other nine, we're missing out on that reminder That God fights on behalf of his children. That that there is salvation by faith. The other other nine were great. They were were healed. They trusted that he would heal them. They, They ran off. But they didn't have the blessing of coming back and being told, It is by your faith that you are healed. Your faith in God. Moses led Israel in giving thanks while they still stood on the banks of the Red Sea. He said, you know what, we're not, gonna, we're not just going to keep going off into the wilderness now and get further away and, and, and build some more distance in case any of those Egyptians wake up from their, their watery nap and come after us. No, he stood on that seashore and led them in singing praises to God to, to make sure to come back to God and say, hey, we recognize your power. We recognize your majesty. It's from you and you alone. See, one of the simplest things we can do as servant leaders is show God's faithfulness to others, to remind other people to be aware of his faithfulness to us. By stopping what we're doing, by slowing down and giving him thanks. Dads, think about what this might look like. Taking time to intentionally pray around the dinner table, not the same old prayer day after day, but to give God thanks for the food, for the day, for what he has in store for us. Families, when you think about the the, the chance you have to to lead other families in your community by by being thankful to God, not being afraid to give God praise and and credit for what he's doing in your life, we can lead those other families in praising God as we point out his faithfulness to us as we come back to him just like that one leper did. Our song takes a subtle turn for us here in verse 13 of our passage. Because from verse 13 to verse 16, we start looking at the future. They, they use, the, the, the Israelites use a different form of a verb for praising God. They, they, they've been using this, this way of speaking of the things that God has done as if it's already complete. It's already been done. In, in, in the Hebrew language and also in the Greek language, it's called the perfect. The verbal form of a perfect verb, meaning the work has been done, right? And they continue to use that language even as they talk about things that they have not yet known or experienced. Here they stand on the, sea, on the shoreline of the Red Sea, have yet to cross over into Cana, Cana and yet they, they talk about it as if it's already complete. Listen to verses 13 to 16. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. Moses and the Israelites, they're praising God for what's already been done, but the problem is it's. It hasn't yet come to pass. They're, they're using a, a verbal form called the, the prophetic perfect. So in other words, it's talking as if it's already done, been done, and so it's a statement of faith. We are so confident in the promises of God that we will speak of them as if they've already been complete. They, they, they speak of, of the fear that's in the people of Cana. I mean, this story has yet to spread to them of what's just happened to the Egyptians, and yet they know that God will be faithful to them. It's a little like Babe Ruth. I mean, many of us know the stories of Babe Ruth, how when he would get up to the, the bat, you know, he'd get in his, his, his hitting position, but he would point to the, the, to the bleachers, right? He'd point to the rafters, calling his shot. This is going to be a home run, people. Before the pitch is even thrown, I can call it. I don't know how many times I actually worked in his favor, but, but it, that's why it's better for the Israelites. Because for the Israelites calling their shot, they're calling their shot, putting their faith in the God of all creation. The God of, uh, who, whose power and majesty was so clearly seen in rescuing them from the hands of the Egyptians. See, our worship of God gives thanks for the past, but it leads others in, in proclaiming our hope for the future. Not just like, oh man, I really hope this is going to turn out in my favor. I really, I really hope that, this is going to, that I'm going to win or, or that this is going to feel good. No, we proclaim it as if it's already complete. That it's already done. We, we, we take hold of it. We take hold of the promises of God as if they're already accomplished. And so the greatest promise that Israel then celebrates in our song as we close out the, the song in Exodus chapter 15 they end the song celebrating a promise in verses 17 and 18. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Now, oftentimes, the mountain spoken of in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, was to describe a place of permanence. In this song... This place of permanence is where God's glory dwells. I mean, you can, you can dig up an azalea bush and move it to another place, I, I think, I'm pretty sure. I'm not very good with gardens, so don't take my word for that one. But, but that, at least as a bush, you could do that a lot more readily than you could a mountain. It makes sense, you can't move a mountain. And so the, the place where God's glory dwells will be established, and he will plant his people In that mountain with Himself. There's a place where God's glory dwells, and God's promise, which gives us such great hope, is that part of that promise is He is going to to make us, He's going to establish us, He's going to plant us with Himself on that mountain for all eternity. The hope that Israel sang of was a hope of the fulfillment that by God's hand we would be established in His presence. Unfortunately, Israel soon was reminded that that's a, a promise fulfilled through faith and, and not through the power and strength of our own hands. You may remember that Joshua and, and some spies went into the promised land to kind of spy the land out before Israel crossed over. They came back and they told the beauty of the land and, and, and how true it was as God had promised, but also how there was these gigantic people in that land people that would be hard to, to uproot and, and to remove from that land. And so Israel was filled with fear, and, and as a result, they, they did not live by faith, and they were left to wander the wilderness for another 40 years. See, when we don't live by faith, but we live by fear, when, when we try to take things into our own hands and live with our, within our own power and strength, we end up wandering the wilderness We end up losing sight of the fact that God has made a promise that he will fulfill by his power, by his strength, by his hand. Jesus says it really well in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, he says this, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. In this sense, it's, this is the place where I want to hear I, I, I. Not, not from the Egyptians, not from myself. I want to hear it from Jesus. I will go. I will come and take you. I, I will take you to where I am. It's Jesus doing these, these things, not you, not me. It's Jesus. By God's own hand, he accomplished what we could not. The forgiveness of sins, the redemption of our lives through Jesus' life, through his death, through his resurrection. So just as Israel stood on the shores of the Red Sea and sang their gratitude to God for his past faithfulness to them, Israel sings of their future hope with confidence as if it's already been accomplished And so may we too learn to sing of God's past faithfulness to us. May we too sing of of the hope we have, not as, oh, I hope it's going to turn out, but sing of it as if it's already been accomplished, to live as if it's already been accomplished, to live in that hope. And may we lead others to do the same through our own example. See, I think we we give God gratitude for the past. We we place our hope in, in Him for the future, but there's something missing. Because when we talk about time, we talk about the, the past, the present, and the future. And so I'm kind of left to wonder what's the present in our story today? What's that present place where where, where Moses and Israel are? It's a lifestyle of worship. Moses and Israel in the present, they stood on that shore and they sang praises to God. They they lived a lifestyle of worship, giving him gratitude for the past and living with confidence in their future because of what God has promised. It's a lifestyle of worship. And so I, I, I hope and pray that we too today can take our cues from Moses as a servant leader, but from all of Israel as well that we might live in this lifestyle of worship, giving God gratitude for the past, living in, with him in the present and enjoying him, and living with confidence in the future that he has for us, living in the power of his hand, not our own. May we do that today, tomorrow, and always as a community of faith here at Trinity. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself to us. The the history we have in the people of Israel to to look back on, to remember, to to see who you are and the ways you worked in them and through them. That we might give thanks for the ways that you worked in them because your hand, that hand that worked in their lives to rescue them, is the same hand that works in our lives to rescue us. Lord, may we live in the gratitude of the future you have in store for us and confidence in the future you have for us. May we live together as your people, glorifying you, praising you, recognizing you, living confidently in you. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.